In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also graciously give us all things? Therefore, repent and believe the good news. May, May we, we never, never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our text from Psalm, we'll read that responsively. Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. How long, O men, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. In your anger, do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and trust in the Lord. Many are asking, who can show us any good? Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their wine and new wine abound. I will lie down in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. We take a moment of silence for private meditation and confession. Lord, you consoled your son in his anguish in the garden and released him from the darkness of the grave. Turn your face toward us that we may sleep in your peace and rise in your light through your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Passion History Responsive reading as Jesus goes on trial before Pilate. To keep from being unclean, they wanted to celebrate the Passover. The Jews themselves did not go into the palace. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What accusation are you bringing against this man? They answered him, If he were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate therefore told them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews answered him, We are not permitted to execute anyone. In this way, the statement that Jesus made when he predicted how he would die was fulfilled. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found that he makes our people disloyal. He keeps them from paying taxes to the emperor and says he is the Christ, a king. Pilate went back into the palace and called for Jesus. Jesus stood before the governor. Pilate then asked him, Are you, Are you the, the king, king of, of the Jews? Jews? Did you think of that yourself, Jesus asked, or did others tell you about me? Pilate asked. Am, Am I a Jew? Jew? Your, Your own people and the ruling priests handed you over to me. What, what did, did you, you do? Jesus answered, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom belonged to this world, my helpers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But now, 
My kingdom is not of this world. Pilate asked him, Then you are a king? Jesus answered, You are correct in saying that I am a king. I was born and came into the world for this very reason, that I might testify to the truth. Everyone who lives in the truth listens to me. Pilate said to him, What What is truth? truth? After saying this, he went out to the Jews again and told the ruling priests and the crowd, I I do do not not find this man guilty of anything. While the ruling priests and the elders were accusing Jesus, he remained silent. Pilate asked Jesus again, Don't Don't you you have have anything anything to say to this? Don't Don't you hear how many charges they are bringing against you? But Jesus did not answer him anymore in regard to a single thing that was said. So Pilate was very much surprised. The priest and the crowd kept urging Pilate. He stirs up the people by teaching all over Judea, beginning in Galilee and coming here. When Pilate heard that Jesus was from Galilee, and when he found out that Jesus came from the country ruled by Herod, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at the time. Herod was very glad to see Jesus. For a long time he had wanted to see him because he was hearing about him and he was hoping to see Jesus work some miraculous sign. He asked him many questions, but Jesus did not answer him. The ruling priests and the scribes were standing there and accusing him ruthlessly. Herod and his soldiers treated Jesus with contempt and made fun of him. They put a splendid garment on him and then sent him back to Pilate. On that day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they'd been enemies. Then Pilate called the ruling priests the other leaders, and the people together. He told them, You brought me this man as one who turns the people against the government. And now look, I have examined this man before you and found him innocent of the things which you accuse him. And Herod did too, because he sent him back to us. You see, he has not done anything to deserve death. So I am going to have him whipped and let him go. Now, at the festival, the governor used to free one prisoner whom the crowd wanted and requested. At that time, there was a well-known prisoner by the name of Barabbas. Barabbas had been thrown into prison with the rebels who, in their revolt, had committed a murder that had taken place in the city. And the crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them as he had done in the past. And Pilate answered them, You You have have a custom custom that I set one person free for you at the Passover. Whom do you want me to set free for you? Barabbas or Jesus, the King of the Jews, who is called Christ? For he knew the ruling priest had handed Jesus over to him because they were jealous. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him to the message to let the righteous man Jesus alone. She sent this message because she suffered much in a dream the previous night because of him. But the ruling priests and the elders stirred up the people so that Pilate would release Barabbas to them and have Jesus killed. The governor asked them, Which of the two do you want me to set free for you? And the whole crowd then shouted, Not this one. Away Away with Jesus. Free Barabbas. But because Pilate wanted to let Jesus go, he called out to the people again. Then what should I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? 
whom you call the King of the Jews. Then they all kept yelling, Crucify! Crucify him! So Pilate asked a third time, Why? What wrong has he done? I have found nothing in him that deserves death. So I'm going to teach him a lesson and let him go. But they began to shout even louder, and their shouts were overpowering to Pilate. Crucify him! Crucify him! Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear friends of Christ, when we're children, we see the world with the eyes of a child. Well, let me tell you a story about a five-year-old boy named Tommy. He loved his mother's biscuits so much, he often told her, you make the best biscuits in the entire world. The best. He often wondered what made them taste so good. What was her secret? Was it a special ingredient? One day he had the opportunity to find out his mom was in the middle of making the best biscuits in the world when their dog got loose. His mom searched for the dog, and as she did, Tommy seized his opportunity. All the ingredients for the biscuits were on the counter. All he had to do was try each one. He saw milk, butter, sugar, and salt. He tasted those before and quickly reasoned it had to be one of the other special flavors. He saw a container of flour and tried that. Of course, that experiment did not go well. The magic flavor certainly did not come from that ingredient. Next, he tried shortening, but it tasted awful. 
The only container he hadn't tried was a baking powder. This had to be the secret ingredient. This was the magic that made her biscuits the best in the world. And excited to test the powerful and flavorful ingredient, he put an extra large spoonful of baking powder into his mouth. And next he was gagging on the floor. After he recovered, Tommy wondered why. Why would his mother put all those horrible tasting things into her biscuits? Was she trying to kill him? Or maybe it was something else. Maybe, maybe his mom had intentionally played a cruel joke on him by leaving dangerous foods on the counter for him to taste. The five-year-old boy was confused. But of course you know, don't you? His mom took all those strange and distasteful ingredients and worked them together for good. The secret was in understanding how it all works together. Well, it's the same lesson God was teaching Job, and, that, and he had to learn that well, life is like a biscuit. Because of all his tragedy, Job figured God was angry with him, and he thought God might be even trying to kill him. However, God's intent was honorable. God had greater plans for Job, blessing, eternal blessings in mind, blessings that would never wear out as long as Job's faith endured throughout all eternity. And, and Job's faith did endure. You know, listen to Job's faith shine through the words of his complaint. Our text is from Job 23. Job answered, my complaint is bitter again today. I tried hard to control my sighing. If only I knew where I could find God, I'd go where he lives. I'd present my case to him and I would have a mouthful of arguments. I want to know what, the, what words he would use to answer me. I want to understand the things he would say to me. However, if I go east, he isn't there. And if I go west, I can't find him. And if I go northward, where is he at work? I can't observe him. If I go southward, I can't see him. I can't find him because he knows the roads I take. When he tests me, I'll come out as pure as gold. I've followed his footsteps closely. I've stayed on his paths and did not turn from it. And I've not left his commands behind. I've treasured all his words and put them in my heart. But God is one of a kind. Who can make him change his mind? He does whatever he wants. He'll carry out his orders concerning me as he does with so many other things. That's why I'm terrified of him. When I think of it, I'm afraid of him. God has discouraged me. The Almighty has filled me with terror. But I'm not silenced by the dark or by the dark thickness that covers my face. We can hear the words of Job and understand. Most people don't understand the purpose of their trials, neither did Job. He thought God was being malicious. He thought God was toying with him like... Uh, like playing with his life, like a puppet master plays with his toys. Jo Job simply could not comprehend how God can take strange and distasteful events and work them together for good. Ah, but that's not a problem for our Lord. He's a master at knowing. The secret is understanding how it all works together. Tommy, Tommy finally figured out how his mom made the best biscuits in the world, she worked all those bad ingredients together for good. Maybe it's time for us to figure out how God uses bad things in our lives to bless us for all eternity.
And there are five ingredients that are difficult that God works together for our good. The first ingredient is shock. Your whole world falls apart in a moment. You get a call, a text, a tragedy has happened. You drop what you're doing. You rush to the hospital in tears, praying, hoping. And when you arrive at the hospital, it's too late. Your loved one's gone. When things like that happen, it's like jumping into an ice-cold lake. You're in shock. You tried to prepare yourself for the shock on your drive to the hospital, but it didn't work. And that's exactly what happened to Job. After losing everything, he sat in a pile of ashes for seven days. He couldn't say anything. He was in shock. Didn't taste good. The second ingredient is sorrow. Job used his sorrowful heart in the words of our text. He searches for God but can't find Him. He looks to the east, to the west, to the north and the south, all the four points of the compass. But God is nowhere to be found. If Job is a true and worthy servant of God, why then is God evading his sorrow and grief? Why is God ignoring him? Why is God hiding from him? And Job wonders in our text, who started this game of hide and seek and why am I it? We can sympathize with him concerning God's silence because at some point in your life, you felt God's silence too. And so we pray. We pray expecting God to answer. Why? Because that's what God has promised. Call upon me in the day of trouble and I'll deliver you. So when tragedy happens as good Christians, what are we supposed to do? We do as the hymn suggests. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Claim your right as a child of God. Voice your complaint. Make your request. Tell God your story. And after you've done all that, nothing? Silence? Yes, we can understand Job's frustration. But the third distasteful ingredient is struggle. Job gives voice to his struggles in our text today. Even today, my complaint is bitter. God's hand is heavy in spite of my groaning. This ingredient, struggling, is especially appropriate. We're in a worldwide pandemic right now, and in the throes of COVID-19, the world struggles with the question, why is this happening? Why is it happening now? Why is it happening to me? Why is God letting our economy struggle? He's allowing so many people to struggle. Why? They're not going to have enough money to pay their bills, and they can't work. Why would God allow so many struggles around the entire world? It doesn't make sense. But why do we struggle with God? Well, there are two reasons. One, we doubt His wisdom. And two, we want to be in control. But Job, in faith, shows us how to survive through struggles. He says, God has discouraged me. The Almighty has filled me with terror, but I will not be silenced by the dark. Though his life is tough, Job was wise. And though he complained, he never denied his faith. And though he struggled, he cho chose to learn from that adversity. He did not let the darkness silence his prayers, and neither do we. The fourth ingredient that is distasteful. Sanctification. It's a big word, sanctification, but it simply means making us more like Jesus. God uses things to make us more like Jesus, and too often we, we like to think that God's plan is to make us happy, but I'm sorry to break the news to you, that's not God's plan. His plan is to make us holy. His plan is to make us more like Jesus. 
to be like him, to think like him, to go through adversity like him, to suffer and die like him. His plan's to save us. God loves to turn crucifixion into resurrections, and eventually God turned Job's sufferings into eternal joys. And eventually God worked all those bad things together for his good, just as God had promised. Now think about Jesus. God turned his crucifixion into a resurrection. What looked like a dead end on Good Friday, when Christ died for your sins and mine, opened to an everlasting day on Easter morning. And and that's why every year we boldly sing the words of Job, who after all his pain and suffering said, I know that my Redeemer lives. Our nightmares aren't random events that serve no purpose. Rather, they are wounds suffered in a cosmic war between evil and good. And God is weaving those wounds into a beautiful plan for ultimate victory. That's what Paul teaches in Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together. All things work together for those who love God, work together for good. You know, this verse is one of the most misunderstood, misinterpreted, misused verses in the Bible. Now, notice Paul does not say, He does not say all things are good because all things are not good. The bad things haunt us. The bad things confuse us. The bad things mess with our minds. And second, Paul does not say, we're pretty sure, or wouldn't it be nice? No, Paul is convinced. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God. So God takes our strange, distasteful experiences, works them together, and creates a life of beauty. And the fifth ingredient, distasteful ingredient, is service. And when we use our pain for God's glory, God wants to take our greatest pain and turn it into our life's proclamation. Let me say that again. God wants to take our greatest pain and turn it into our life's proclamation. He wants to use our mess for a message. He wants to use our tests for a testimony. He wants us to serve each other by helping others go through what we've experienced. God uses our suffering and pain so that we can walk through it by faith, come out the other side, and help someone else walk through the same kind of suffering. Think about that thing you're most embarrassed about, that thing you're most ashamed of, that that thing you regret happened. And he wants to use it for the good of the lives of others. Who can help parents of a Down syndrome child than more than a parents who have a Down syndrome child? Who can help someone struggling with an addiction than somebody who has struggled with an addiction? The very thing you want to talk least about is the very thing God wants us to use most in our life to help other people. There's a plan, a divine plan, a plan where all things are working for our good and for the Father's glory. The secret is understanding understanding how it all works together. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and to life everlasting. Amen. Don't forget to send your offerings into the church. You can go online and, and figure out online giving or using your envelopes, send your offerings into the church each week. But we would appreciate it if you would Be generous in keeping up with your weekly offerings so that we can pay our bills during this difficult stretch for all of us. We pray, O Lord, hear my prayer.
and let my cry come to you. O Lord, mercifully receive the prayers of your people who call upon you and grant that they may know and understand the things they ought to do and also may have the grace and strength to accomplish them through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And merciful Father, since you have given your only Son as a sacrifice for our sin, also give us grace to receive with thanksgiving the fruits of his redeeming work and follow daily in his way through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And O Lord our God, we profess your great goodness toward us and praise you for your mercy and your grace, which our eyes have seen and our ears have heard and our hearts have known. We are truly sorry for the sins and the wrongs of this day. Merciful Father, pardon our offenses. Correct and reform what is wrong in us and help us to grow in grace and to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Keep us this night under your protective care and preserve us in faith and in trust in your goodness and love for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. We pray the prayer our Lord has taught us. Our, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. And the Almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you. Amen. Amen.